Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap issues and events pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WNBD News Director Cooper Banks. Chicago worries. Illinois residents all worry while there is an ever-growing trend in all sorts of crime. But top state leaders and many local police agencies insist there may be a more nuanced, more compassionate, and community-oriented approach to enforcing our laws rooting out and punishing criminals. It's what's behind landmark legislation signed by Governor J.B. Pritzker last week at his first appearance in person in town for many months. A bill signing at the Peoria Civic Center Tuesday, also featuring Democratic State Representative Jahan Gordon Booth and Peoria Police Chief Eric Echevarria. Today is a great day for uh, Peoria Police Department and the city of Peoria as we prepare to see our honorable governor sign into legislation House Bill 4736. On July 31st of 2021, I was sworn in as the Chief of Police for the City of Peoria. Looking at the data in Peoria, I knew we needed to evaluate how we were going to respond to those in the community experiencing emotional distress and or experiencing a mental or behavioral health crisis. To put this in context, in 2021, we responded to 1,247 calls for service that indicated a possible suicidal person or a person that committed suicide. 978 calls for service that involved a trouble with a person with a history of mental health and 468 calls for service that involved someone with some sort of cognitive impairment. In December, I presented the idea to Representative Gordon Booth that Peoria needed to create a co-response model. This would allow the Peoria Police Department to partner with Unity Point to have social workers within our juvenile and adult investigations units to be able to provide more direct service to the victims of crimes and create a team that would be responsible for working towards providing trauma-informed crisis intervention, case management, advocacy, and ongoing emotional support to those we encounter while also creating a team that would focus on the resolution of violent, emotional distressed persons that would be more appropriate and effective, taking into consideration alternatives to arrest to ensure the best possible long-term outcomes. We are now stepping into a new era of policing in the city of Peoria that has not been seen before. Policing is not only about making arrests or writing somebody a citation. It is also about implementing policies and procedures that provide options to get people the help they need in a more empathetic manner. Representative Gordon Booth carefully listened and believed in the idea that as law enforcement and a community, we needed to evaluate our response, but also put in place a mechanism to respond more effectively, efficiently, and safer for all involved. We then began to draft what now is part of House Bill 4736. Representative Gordon Booth, thank you for believing in the idea and helping Peoria move forward in a new progressive direction. Monica Hendrickson, the Peoria County Health Department Public Administrator, thank you for your leadership and your help in moving us forward with this. Ann Camden, Janet Hindenburg, Dean Steiner, Keith Knapp, Christina Gerlach from Unity Point, thank you for your continued support and uh, we'll continue working on this together. I would be remiss to not give a special thank you to Chief Anna Lally from the Elgin Police Department who's out here with us today. The work that we did in Elgin under her leadership 
has helped pave the way for what will be signed into legislation today and has begun to define what the future of law enforcement will look like. Governor, thank you for being here today. Let's step into this future together. Thank you, Chief. Thank you. Well, thank you so much to Chief Echeverria, and, and good afternoon to everyone. I, 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 there are so many people to acknowledge here, and I'm not going to do a great job of getting to everybody. You've heard many of their names, but obviously our chief in Elgin having so much to do with shaping this bill. Uh, our leader, Gordon, uh, Jahan Gordon Booth, who's a, been a good friend and ally and so many accomplishments uh, for our police and for our first responders, uh, as well as for our state more broadly. Uh, Representative Camille Lilly, uh, who you'll hear from in a little while, Representative Sue Scherer. Crime can create wounds that the justice system alone can never heal. Nearly a quarter of crime victims will experience PTSD throughout their lifetime. And for victims of assault and witnesses to homicides, that number skyrockets. So today, we're launching a victim-centered co-responder pilot program to pair victims and witnesses with social workers who will provide survivors with trauma-informed crisis intervention services, community resources for mental and behavioral health treatment, and empathetic advocacy. Starting right here in Peoria and in locations across the state. This initiative will bring intervention training and mental health first aid education to first responders, equipping them with the tools and skills that they need to support victims and witnesses of a crime. With a $10 million investment, the pilot program will set the stage for a reconceptualized victim support system for all Illinoisans. With that, I have the honor of introducing truly a visionary in that work, the leader, a friend, Jahan Gordon Booth. Good afternoon. Uh, first and foremost, thank you so much, um, Governor Pritzker and Lieutenant Governor Stratton, for being here in the city of Peoria on this warm May afternoon. Uh, we thank you for your leadership uh, over this past two years. We've had a very challenging two years, uh, but you have led us in an incredibly strong way throughout the way, and we thank you so very much. I thank all of you for being here today. And when I look out um, at this group, this group is who we do this work for. You are our why. When I was asked uh, by the Speaker of the House this year to lead the public safety work group and finding a path to be able to build a better bridge between um, law enforcement and community, I took that work on knowing that it was going to be incredibly challenging. But the why behind this work is why all of us show up in all of our respective capacities, regardless of whether or not you are elected to do a particular job or not. The fact of the matter of it is, is that there are those that would like for us to believe that you have to choose between police or community. And I believe that that is a failed notion. Police are community. Working on the co-responder pilot program with Chief Echeverria that is now going to be implemented in cities across this state is one of many examples of how you can take 
concepts that are really born out of community that are then accepted by law enforcement and then become common practice across this entire state. I look forward to the day where not just four, obviously Peoria is the lead community, but there will also be the city of Waukegan, the city of Springfield, as well as the city of East St. Louis that will be implementing a co-responder pilot, again, that was born right here in the city of Peoria. And when we think about what it means for a victim or a witness to come forward in something that most of us have never experienced before, which is a homicide, and you think about the challenge that that must be for an individual, the state is putting their money where their mouth is. The state is stepping up to say, we know that this is a challenge. We know that you need the mental health support, the behavioral health support. We want to be there and we want to walk with you every step of the way. I'm proud to live here in the state of Illinois. I'm proud to do this work. There are those who have lots of catchphrases, none that I accept, because I believe that we should be funding the community. We should be funding the police. We should be funding programs and funding Peoria. These policies that will be signed into law today, they prioritize Illinoisans. The reason that you see us here standing here today is because we are all in for a safer Illinois. A new law in Illinois aimed at making life much harder for organized crime groups who carry out large-scale, sophisticated retail theft operations to fuel other criminal enterprises. Another big bill signing by the governor on Friday. Well, thank you very much, Alderman Riley, and good morning to everyone. Uh, this morning is about Illinois taking another important step to fight crime and to advance our public safety. Nationwide coordinated retail robberies are on the rise, including right here on Michigan Avenue. It's a dangerous trend for store employees and customers alike. And thanks to a broad bipartisan coalition in the General Assembly, Illinois is taking action to disrupt these organized retail crime rings with the bill that I'll sign into law today. Let me be clear, this is not aimed at a low-income parent desperate to feed their child. It's not about a kid making a short-sighted mistake. This is about a multi-billion dollar industry of organized criminals carrying out sophisticated theft operations to turn a profit on the resale market. In December alone, Attorney General Kwame Raoul's Organized Retail Crime Task Force retrieved $1 million worth of stolen goods from storage units not far from where we stand today. No, this is not about the one-off shoplifting incident. It's much bigger than that. This is about the safety of our communities. It's about preventing militarized storefronts and empty commercial corridors. Attorney General Kwame Raoul has been a terrific leader in our collective work to forge a smarter and better public safety that keeps our residents and our businesses safe. I want to recognize him for that, as well as President Don Harmon, Speaker Chris Welch, and sponsors Senator Susie Glowiak-Hilton and Representative Kim Buckner. They built the coalition needed to bring this bill 
across the finish line in the legislature. And none of it could have happened without Rob Carr and Chauncey Rice and the Illinois Retail Merchants Association, as well as law enforcement and business leaders across this state. This legislation is the latest step in Illinois' efforts to advance a better vision of public safety. We're deploying an unprecedented statewide investment in community safety, $250 million to disrupt cycles of violence in our neighborhoods. We've also enacted the most comprehensive reform to our state firearms laws in over a generation, including universal background checks to keep guns out of the hands who of those who shouldn't have them. We substantially increased mental health and substance use treatment that so often leads to interactions with law enforcement. And we coordinated 911 and 988 services to make sure that those experiencing behavioral health emergencies receive the care they need. And earlier this week, I signed laws reinvigorating the Violent Crime Witness Protection Act and launching a victim-centered co-responder pilot program to pair victims and witnesses with trauma-informed social workers. I look forward to furthering our commitment to building a public safety system that works for all of us, including ensuring the victim rights advanced today are carried through our justice system. Today we take another step in the right direction, and then our work continues. With that, I have the honor of introducing a true leader in safety and justice, our terrific Attorney General Kwame Raoul. Thank you, Governor, and uh, I'm, I'm proud to stand here with you uh, today um, for this effort and, and all of the efforts uh, uh, you have been advancing and the legislature has been advancing to fight crime within the state. Um, many uh, late nights or early mornings that blended into the next morning at the state capitol um, uh, to the uh, speaker and Senate president and our sponsors, Senator Glowiak Hilton and uh, Representative Buckner. I thank you for uh, uh, the effort. Uh, it was a very challenging effort to move this through the the legislature. Now, I, I really need to be honest with you. Uh, a bit over a year ago, I did not know what organized retail crime was. I would have easily mistaken it for ordinary uh, retail theft. I was approached as I was at a conference out of state and, and, and uh, uh, presented with a presentation that showed me criminal warehouses that if you were to walk into it, you would think that you were in a hardware store. Showed me video of very brazen, violent acts, not necessarily in urban areas like we've seen in uh, on, on North Michigan Avenue or at the Oak Brook Center, but in rural areas at big box stores and smaller mom and pa stores. Um, and one of the things that we've done is we've traveled around the state after uh, creating an organized retail uh, crime task force, uh, educating uh, not only retailers, but law enforcement. Educating law enforcement because law enforcement, like me, might have mistaken some of these acts as isolated acts, uh, organic acts of retail theft, when they're actually very well-coordinated uh, crimes that involve a manager 
of a crime ring, an organized crime ring. And it's important to note that organized retail crime is very much linked to other dangerous criminal activity, such as human trafficking, gun trafficking, drug trafficking, and in some instances, terrorism. In the old days, uh, you were familiar with uh, um, maybe small groups uh, engaging in retail theft and pawning items at the pawn shop or at flea market or in the back alley. Uh, but now, uh, there is a tool available to these crime rings uh, that makes it a very profitable in, endeavor. And those are the online marketplaces. Um, these crime rings utilize the online marketplaces to easily resell um, uh, these items and be able to fuel some other, other criminal activity that they're engaged in. As the governor mentioned, uh, this past December, our task force was successful in recovering um, what we thought was at the time a million dollars worth of items, but it was actually millions of dollars worth of um, items. We have other ongoing investigations working with both federal and local law enforcement partners. And it's important to note that no one law enforcement agency can uh, solve this problem because this problem does not restrict itself to a municipality or a county. It goes across county boundaries. And that's in part why this legislation was needed to give both my office and uh, Cook County and, and, not, uh, and county uh, state's attorney's offices uh, authority to prosecute crimes that may cross county uh, boundaries. But it doesn't even restrict itself to state boundaries. Uh, it doesn't restrict itself to states with big municipalities like Illinois. Uh, rural heavy states suffer this problem just as uh, to, to the same extent that Illinois does. And so uh, with that, I'm, I'm really thankful to the legislature. I, I, uh, it was, it was, it's always good to visit my old colleagues in the, in the legislature, but not necessarily till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning at the Capitol. <laughs> but uh, we did the work, and we advanced the bill, and, and uh, hopefully Illinois, will, Illinois shoppers, um, employees, and, and, and retail establishments will be safer for it. One last thing I need to say that this is not only a criminal uh, issue, that we're not only approaching this from our criminal lens. This is a consumer protection issue as well. Because what you have to understand is when these items are stolen and put on online marketplaces to unsuspecting consumers, and not uh, some of these items are food items, and if they're not stored appropriately, if they're if it's a baby food, for instance, and not store, it, it becomes a consumer protection issue. If it's a new appliance being sold as a new appliance with no warranty, it's a consumer protection issue. So we've told online marketplaces, we've invited them into the kitchen uh, to cook up the recipe to, to fight this organized retail crime activity. The Caterpillar E4 Life program is partnering with the Peoria Public Schools to provide hands-on manufacturing experience to high school students with a focus on innovation for the future. Prior to the implementation of this program, Kat spent time with students and potential participants to find out what barriers stand in between them and getting into the workforce. Based on those conversations, Caterpillar created a program that provides an umbrella of life skills such as mentoring, budgeting and financing, in addition to technical manufacturing skills such as 
welding, painting, and assembly. WNBD's The Greg and Dan Show sat down with Peoria Public Schools Superintendent Dr. Sharon Desmolin Karat and Caterpillar's John Downey, Operations Manager at Katz Building KK, to talk about this new collaboration. This is very exciting to me. Uh, we have in our studio Dr. Karat from Peoria Public Schools, the superintendent. Dr. Karat, good to see you. We haven't seen you in a minute. It's been, it's been a while since you've been in the studio. It has yeah. Been. Yeah. It's good Hi to ben. see you. Hi, Greg. Uh, and also, John Downey's here. John is operations manager, Caterpillar Building KK. We're going to talk about something called E4L, Essentials for Life Student Trainee Program. I'll let you kick it off, Dr. Karat. Uh, what is this about, and why is Peoria Public Schools teaming up with Caterpillar? Yeah, we actually have been teaming up with Cap Caterpillar for over a decade now, um, working closely with Henry Vickery. And this is all about expanding the CTE, Career Technical Education Program, which our community loves. They want us to do more of that. And so um, John and his team, they're focused on investing in the manufacturing program at Manual. So you'll hear a lot about that. There's a huge celebration today. And I'm just very, very, very proud of Caterpillar's commitment because in that program, they're, they're hiring kids. They're providing internships for children, apprenticeships. They're paying them very, very well. And in the end, they are actually hiring them full-time. There's a higher graduation rate. Mm -hmm. And thank you, John, and thank you, Henry, and thank you, Caterpillar, for investing in the manufacturing facility at Manual and, as well. And, and, and what does it mean for you, John? First of all, good morning. Good to see you. Yeah, good morning. What does it mean for you and Caterpillar and, and, and the future of your business? Well, it's, it's critically important for Caterpillar. I mean, you can't have excellent product without having excellent people, and we've been doing it for almost 100 years here. In I was going to say, uh, can, can I tell a brief story? I showed you a picture of my grandpa a minute ago, but my father, this is 1939, my father's sitting in a gym at Pekin High School, and a career guy comes out and says, hey, everybody, how's it going? And this one guy says, uh, uh, they've invented this new thing called welding, boys, and welding's going to change the world, and Caterpillar's going to be doing a ton of it. And my dad immediately listened to that, he wasn't a good student. He wasn't going to go to college. He didn't have any money for college. And he that became his life. And, and it's exactly where we're at today. We lost that for a minute, I think, over the years. That's but exactly but right. we're back. Yeah, that's so, exactly right. uh, and, and we've talked about this, Dr. Karat. Uh, the, the landscape's changing for kids. Not everyone can afford college. Right. Uh, college may not be for everyone. They may want to stay near and support family right away. So we're getting into, and I know ICC is involved in a lot of this too, mm -hmm. but getting into training kids into high-quality jobs mm -hmm. where they don't have that four-year debt, mm -hmm. and they get to stay here and get trained as they go, right? Yes, and those are the growing areas. And what I like about the Career Technical Education Program, and we have tons of them, barbering, cosmetology, manufacturing is just one. Our theme is doing things differently, and we really have to reimagine the work that we're doing at PPS. What I like about the work that Caterpillar, John, Henry, all that investment, it's grade level appropriate, it's meaningful, it's relevant, it's personalized. That is what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And the expectations are very, very high. The standards are high, and they're living up to it. And then they become very successful, and uh, the the wages are actually better than, um, you know, better than many, many careers with right. a bachelor's right. degree and a high a high uh, debt. I am not hip to what goes on at Manual. What is the facility like over there? What, is, what have you done? And it's what's great. Going? I mean, it's they, they, when, when I first came into the role about three years ago, I got to visit. And one of the first things I did was visit. And great equipment. Um, but 
like most um, shops in, in a high school, it's it's really about a shop. And, and we had this vision. I asked Mr. Rice, the, the, the instructor, how can we help? That was really the question. Right, and, right. and we we created this vision to really transform a shop into a factory. Yeah. And there's differences between that. And in, in, in a shop, you learn how to use a drill. You use these things. Mm -hmm, sure. Um, but what we've done over the last three years is really teach other factory things that come around with that. And continuous improvement ideas, organization ideas, standard work. Things yeah. Like how, how you yeah. get in raw materials and get it ordered right Absolutely. and all that stuff. I mean, the yes. whole process is a, logistics. Is a, logistics. It's the logistics. Right. Yeah. And and growing our own. Um, you know, I remember a conversation we had with Patrick Urich, uh, city manager, Chris Setti, the EDC. And to assess this area, a lot of companies go, hey, we'd come here, but we need skilled workers. Yes. This helps close that gap, right? Yes, and kudos to Mr. Rice. You mentioned Andrew Rice, uh, who's the instructor, the manufacturing teacher at Manual. He has been there for many, many years. Well, I think I brought him on in 2008, and there's that stability. He, um, This is his area of expertise. He actually literally, I think right now there are nine students who are uh, working part-time at Caterpillar, so they'll come to school in the morning, go to work in the afternoon, he goes with them. And uh, next year, Caterpillar is scheduled to hire 19 uh, students from, from manual. And as you said, Dan, we wow. are you know building our own, growing our own, and uh, providing that pipeline and workforce that's so needed in our community. Yeah. So John, you've been in this for three years, you said? So you've seen some those early hires, right? Yes, so yes. some of them are three years in, right? Absolutely. Tell me about what that looks like. No, well, not, not specific, but yeah, you know. it's it's fantastic. I mean, because the other the other key thing that people need to realize is that when you start a job, a job, I'll use that in air quotes. Yeah. It, it can be feel like a job, but when you come to Caterpillar, you're really starting a career. Mm -hmm. So the advancement opportunities when you come to work at a place like Caterpillar are, are limitless. And it's going to be exciting not to just watch them for this first three, but then yeah, yeah. the next 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 30 years from now, there'll be somebody sitting in the studio with another host, I uh, hope, because if I'm still here in 30, I'm going to hurt yeah. myself. But, but uh, yeah. another host is going to interview somebody that said, hey, I remember when I had this opportunity through the Peoria Public Schools and Caterpillar uh -huh. at Manual, and now I'm the manager of whatever. Right? And the great right. part about it, the hardest part that takes up a lot of companies' times is the hiring process vetting people mm -hmm. but when you're growing that pipeline yeah. it's a living resume right yeah. absolutely and, and the students are, are a known entity to us by the time we get to the right. point like the ones we're celebrating yeah, it's like hey john day. good to see you again That's right. welcome yeah. to work we know what they're capable of or, right. or else they wouldn't be getting this opportunity last thing there's going to be a ceremony later today that i just adore and the ceremony is going to be what i'll let one of you choose to tell me john yeah we're gonna it's all about celebrating the kids where you got five kids who are who are accepted full-time employment with us one is a, a college intern who's going to school at bradley in the okay. engineering department and the rest are in production and either our assembly or machining you're gonna department. have a signing ceremony we're gonna have a yeah. sign just ceremony. like athletics right yes. that's yes. great i yeah. love that yes. i love that is that gonna have a pillar yellow wire in there too so. oh yes. oh hey wow there'll yeah. be a dozer right in the back of us wow wow yeah. do they get wow. little jerseys to hold up <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, it's a wonderful program. Congratulations for uh, making it work so well over the years. E4L, Essentials for Life Student Trainee Program, Caterpillar, uh, Manual, Peoria Public Schools. Uh, congrats on all the graduates of all the schools. Uh, you got a few graduations to go to this week, right? Yes, Probably. Bra Dr. Bradley's Dr. and, of course, Peoria High, yeah, Richwoods, Manuals. <laughs> so it's, it's fun and exciting. Yeah. And, 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 Dr. Kraut, one last question on this. This is, uh, this is a pivot. you got to pivot with the times. 
And so, and it really expand this program, correct? Yes, Dan, you're, you're, you're brilliant and right in point. Um, this is just the beginning. And John and I were talking, this needs to be expanded. It needs to be blown up. And um, we really need to re reimagine some of our schools. And uh, with other pathways, which we are doing, mm -hmm. particularly manual too, there's a focus on doing some things differently there. And so we'll keep you updated for sure and the community mm -hmm. updated because that's what our community is asking for as well. Again, prior to the implementation of this program, Caterpillar had spent lots of time with students, other adults interested in participating, as well as stakeholders, to find out what barriers actually stand in their way in terms of entering the workforce. Based on those conversations, Caterpillar created this program. And in addition to manufacturing skills like welding, painting and assembly were the teaching of life skills such as mentoring budgeting and finance we'll focus in on the city of east peoria to wrap up today's show and my conversation with that city's incoming new permanent full-time fire chief robert zimmerman the third bobby as he said he prefers to be called is taking over the job from former east peoria fire chief john knapp Zimmerman serving in the acting role until just this past week. Zimmerman comes into the office in the wake of some degree of scandal involving its former occupant. Knapp, caught using that office and his taxpayer-funded work hours as fire chief to carry out side hustles for a personal business. He was shown the door back in February. Well, naturally, with the pick of Zimmerman as chief, the youngest in some time for East Peoria, and the fresh blood and leadership, there is plenty of confidence no such similar scandal will ever occur again, at least any time soon. I was happy to take the chance to sit with the chief and learn more about how he will approach the job. I have to say uh, there was a note made that you would be now um, the youngest fire chief in East Peoria, is that right? I, I believe that is accurate. Now, obviously, um, I don't know how far back. We have a long history um, department. So <clears throat> at least in the last recent, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, I believe that is correct. Okay, in, in modern memory. Well, um, obviously, I think you come into a, a job like this with, um, you know, uh, a big chair to fill, big shoes to fill. I'm curious to know what your, what your mindset is coming into the new challenge. So, so it will be a challenge, but it's one that I'm up for. I'm very humbled and, and, and proud to have this opportunity. The East PR Fire Department's full of great men and women, and just keeping them headed in the right direction, whether that's training or new equipment, um, that's my job is to serve them so they can serve the community. And then, of course, to talk about some of those things where you feel a level of concern or urgency about what are some of those top items on your to-do list that you consider to be things you want to try to tick off sooner rather than later as you take over the job now? So, so being an employee here since 2004, I, I'm well aware that this is a marathon and not a sprint, and there isn't anything absolutely day one urgent that needs to be changed. Um, our citizens are getting a very great service. We, we are in the process of hoping to start breaking ground on a new station that will be out 
uh, off Centennial by ICC, and then that will lower some response times for that area and then better cover the entire city. And then with that, we also want to make sure that we're staying up to date on our training. Uh, we're, we're all paramedics at the East Peoria Fire Department, so we both are, you know, the training on the fire side of it and the EMS side of it. Talk to me about how unique that is. That's not something that I've heard about everywhere. No, so it, it's it's not um, it's not everywhere. It is the the new model, though. Um, we have what is called fire-based EMS. So we have an ambulance that is made up of East Peoria firefighters slash paramedics. So when you come work for the city of East Peoria as a fireman. You're also a paramedic, and you'll start your career on the ambulance and then transition to the fire engine, and uh, that's how we've operated here at least since the early 1980s. I'm curious to know about how staffing um, is looking these days. I know that on the police side of things, there's plenty of concern there. What are your thoughts about East Peoria Fire's level of staffing and um, how that might challenge you guys? So, so it absolutely is, is an area of concern. Um, our brothers in blue uh, are having some trouble, and, and so are we, quite frankly. We, we're staffed 100% uh, to where we should be today as far as the amount of manpower that's allocated for the city, but our number of applicants is down significantly. For example, when I tested and was hired in 2004, we probably had 80 to 100 applicants, and a list was made up of 30 to 40 people we just got done testing uh on our, on our last cycle and we had six people that made our final list and there was maybe <clears throat> eight to 12 applicants that applied so we're currently testing right now or are accepting applicants through wednesday may 11th so uh i would encourage anybody to apply that is an emt basic and wants to to be a fireman It'd give you the opportunity here while we're on the subject to, I guess, remind anybody who's going to be listening to this about maybe why you decided to get into it and why it's really worth a career that's worth pursuing still. So I think you said it best when it's a career. This absolutely is a career. It's a family. Um, If you're a professional fireman, you have two families. You have your firehouse family that you live with every third day, and then you have your family back at home. And there is no better feeling in the world to try to help somebody when they're having their worst day of their life. And um, it's a very honorable profession, and it's one that, you know, you don't want to take lightly. And and it's not for everybody, but the ones that make it a career, they they tend to love it. And, um, you know, there's not a fireman that that I know that doesn't like going to work every day. When did you know... uh... We'll dive into it a little bit deeper, but when when do you think you could say you knew you loved it from the very beginning? I'm curious. I I did. Um, I was so my father was a volunteer fireman in Germantown, and I remember uh, you know spending some time at the firehouse with him on on their training days, or if I was in the car and a call came in, and we would end up at the firehouse, hmm. and I knew very early that that's what I wanted to do. And quite frankly, from the time I was hired, I, I, I've loved every minute of being here. And the city is a great place to work, and I feel we have one of the best fire departments around. And it's been a, an honor to be able to serve this community. 
Uh, so uh, kind of back around to the idea of being into the top new job. I get. I was going to probe about the idea of if there were, say, maybe wish list items that you might have, what would those be now in your new position if you would if you had a couple of the name? Uh, honestly, I don't, I don't even think I have a wish list right now. We, we're moving in the right direction. And I, I, I guess the top thing that I want to see is that we're trained and we're covering the city as safely and as effectively as we can. And that everybody goes home at the end of the day. Love it. All right. New chief in East Peoria, Bobby Zimmerman. I appreciate you taking the time, sir. If there's anything that you wanted to add, um, maybe there's more to tell uh, those folks who are out there who might be interested to get into firefighting and do it in East Peoria. What else do you think would be good for us to know now that you've taken the position as the new fire chief? Uh, that it's a, it's a great profession, and if you have any thoughts or aspirations of doing it, reach out to us, and we would be happy to answer any questions and lead you down this great path. Excellent. Thank you, Chief. I appreciate you taking the time. That's pretty much everything I was going to be talking about today. And um, if there uh, – you had gone – did you guys go out to a, a significant fire today by chance? Was that what Jill uh, – we, we had a Morton Building fire uh, that, that did come in. Again, Zimmerman comes into the office in the wake of some degree of scandal involving – that office's former occupant, former chief, John Knapp, he got caught using the space and his taxpayer-funded work hours as fire chief to carry out some side hustles for a personal business. Naturally, with the pick of Zimmerman now as chief and the fresh blood and leadership, there's all kinds of confidence that no such similar scandal will occur anytime soon. We'll certainly wish Zimmerman the best of luck in his new post. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us at this time next week on this Midwest 360 station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in central Illinois. You don't have to wait for Week in Review to get the lowdown on what's happening in central Illinois. For instant, for instant news 24-7, follow us at 1470 WMBD. For instant news 24-7, follow us at 1470 and 100.3 WNBD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and at 1470WNBD.com. I'm Cooper Banks, WNBD News.